Yeah, talking freedom and liberation. Worldwide, not just only for the nation. A radical guide, it's time to make changes. Bringing interviews and radical education. Yeah, yeah, a better future. Welcome to another episode of A Radical Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bayless, here to guide you through a riveting journey of ideas and actions that shape our world. Today's episode is loaded with stimulating discussions and inspiring tales from the world of radical thought and action. In our anarchist and radical news segment, we focus on the significance of writing to political prisoners, highlighting the crucial role of the Anarchist Black Cross Federation. This organization has been a bulwark of support for political prisoners and prisoners of war for over a century. Our Resistance Around the World segment takes us into an exploration of the everything-for-everyone concept. We dive into the heart of this radical question, why can't everything be free? We examine its implications for social justice, equity, and the potential for reshaping our economic models. Finally, in the updates about a Radical Guide segment, our journey brings us to the Bronx, New York. The Bronx, a borough known for its rich diversity and culture, was Murray Bookchin's birthplace. A pioneering figure in social ecology and libertarian municipalism, Bookchin's formative years here profoundly influenced his ideas, which continue to shape radical thought. Prepare for a journey through radical thought, resistance, and transformation landscapes. This is a radical podcast, and our journey starts now. Let's go! In this week's news, we want to emphasize the significance of writing to political prisoners and highlight an organization deeply committed to this cause, the Anarchist Black Cross Federation, ABCF. For over a century, the ABCF, which has its roots in the early 20th century as the Anarchist Red Cross, has been at the forefront of supporting political prisoners and prisoners of war. The organization was founded between 1906 and 1907 to support those prisoners overlooked by the political Red Cross due to their anarchist and social revolutionary affiliations. From the Russian Civil War to the present times, the ABCF, under various names, has continued its relentless mission of providing support to political prisoners worldwide. Today, ABCF's efforts are centered on supporting and advocating for individuals imprisoned due to their participation in progressive and revolutionary movements. The Federation's belief is clear. Those incarcerated due to political actions should receive priority support. In its mission, ABCF incorporates an inclusive strategy. They work closely with the prisoners to identify their needs and include them in their support process. The Federation Council of ABCF features a prisoners committee composed of political prisoners and prisoners of war, thus ensuring their voices are heard. Moreover, the ABCF strives to maintain strong alliances with the communities and movements these prisoners were part of before their incarceration. They also enhance awareness about various liberation movements, ensuring imprisoned comrades are not forgotten. By producing informational materials about political prisoners, their struggles, and their needs, the ABCF raises the visibility and provides financial aid for essential needs, including phone calls, postage stamps, books, and clothing. Writing to political prisoners gives them moral support and emphasizes their presence and struggles with the outside world. Organizations like the ABCF play a vital role reminding us of our shared struggle for a just world. To get involved, visit the ABCF website at abcf.net and explore how you can contribute to their mission. Remember, no action is insignificant in the fight for a better world. A radical guy, that's what this is. Highlighting the diverse world of resistance.
Imagine a world where everything is free, a world where you don't have to worry about paying for food, healthcare, education, or even a home. As children, we don't understand why we can't just take that shiny toy off the shelf. As we grow, we question why we must pay for a roof over our heads or the food on our plates. But have you ever thought about why clean air isn't free? This may seem like a strange question. After all, the air is free, right? However, in reality, even the air we breathe is becoming commodified. In highly polluted areas where clean air isn't a given, air purifiers are a household norm, and bottled clean air is sold as a luxury item. This isn't some dystopian future scenario. It is happening today. Close your eyes. Turn your face to the wind. Feel it sweep across your skin. Suddenly, you know you're alive. Oxygen. The source of every created thing. Body, mind, and soul. So within the noisy, beating machine of your body, you breathe patiently. It's a beautiful sound. It's your life. At Vitality Air, we provide people with the key element of life. Clean air and oxygen. Vitality Air. Enhancing vitality. One breath at a time. Today, in Resistance Around the World segment, we're diving into the intricate world of commodification, a process that's turned everything from the tangible, like food and water, to the intangible, like relationships, into sellable items. In a world driven by profit, even basic necessities and human rights have a price tag. But what if there was a different way? What if we lived by the principle of everything for everyone? A world where life isn't dictated by one's ability to pay. Could such a world exist? If so, how do we get there from here? As we embark on this thought-provoking journey, we'll dive into these questions and more. Let's get started. Let's begin by understanding commodification. In economics, when we talk about a commodity, we generally refer to a basic good or raw material that is interchangeable with other goods of the same type, like oil, wheat, or gold. But today we're going to broaden this concept and look at how it infiltrates various aspects of our lives, often in ways we might not realize. This is the phenomenon of commodification. What does commodification mean? In simple terms, commodification refers to the process by which things, ideas, relationships, and experiences that were not initially goods or services to be bought or sold are transformed into commodities. These things are assigned a monetary value, exchanged in the market, and used for economic gain. Take a darker, more insidious example, human trafficking. It's the epitome of commodification. Human beings with unique experiences, emotions, and identities are reduced to commodities bought, sold, and exploited for profit. Similarly, indigenous cultures are often commodified, their traditions and practices stripped of their original meaning and sold as exotic experiences or commodities. Understanding commodification helps us critically examine our current economic and social systems, question the pervasive market logic, and consider the broader implications on our societies, communities, and individual lives. Let's explore a question that no doubt has crossed all our minds at some point. Why isn't everything free? It might seem naive or unrealistic given our current economic systems, yet it is a question that prompts deep reflections about how our society is structured and why it operates the way it does. Our economic framework is fundamentally built on the principle of exchange, 
goods, services, and labor are all assigned a monetary value, and this value dictates their worth. We pay the price to acquire these, a system supposedly designed for efficient resource distribution based on supply and demand. Yet, as Pierre-Joseph Proudhon, a notable figure in anarchist thought, insightfully noted, the purchaser draws boundaries, fences himself in, and says, this is mine, each one by himself, each one for himself. Here, then, is a piece of land upon which, henceforth, no one has a right to step, save the proprietor and his friends. For this system often creates situations where essential goods and services like health care, education, clean water, and food become inaccessible for many simply because they can't afford them. To quote Chris Killam, rainforest land is mistakenly valued solely for the worth of its timber, mining, and oil resources by short-sighted corporations and governments. This exemplifies how the intrinsic value of nature, its ability to sustain life, is often overlooked in the pursuit of profit. So why isn't everything free? In our current system, free does not equate with value. Something given freely or shared commonly is often undervalued or overlooked, while goods and services with a price tag are perceived as having more worth. Oscar Wilde's poignant observation rings true. Quote, Nowadays, people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. End quote. Moreover, free disrupts the fundamental dynamics of our existing economic structures. If everything were free, the profit motive, a central driver of our capitalist economy, would be undermined. Who would produce goods or provide services without the expectation of a return? This underscores a pivotal issue. A world where everything is free would necessitate a monumental shift in how we perceive value, exchange, labor, and society. It's important to note that a free world is neither impossible nor undesirable. Quite the contrary, as we'll delve deeper into this episode. However, it suggests that we must challenge and rethink many of our deep-rooted beliefs and assumptions about our economic systems and societal structures to make them a reality. To do so, we must also look at the human cost of commodification. As we traverse the landscape of commodification, it is paramount that we extend our view beyond the confines of economic systems and markets, delving into the very human dimension. The human cost of commodification, although often unspoken, is palpable and impactful. Imagine the individual working multiple jobs, barely scraping by, yet unable to afford essential health care or nutritious food. Consider the indigenous communities witnessing the destruction of their ancestral lands and cultural heritage to industries bent on commodifying nature for profit. Or reflect upon the horrifying reality of human trafficking, where people's lives are commodified in the most disturbing sense, sold and bought as mere commodities. These stories are not exceptions. They epitomize a world where profit often supersedes people. They highlight the human cost of an economy steeped in commodification, yet the reach of commodification stretches even further, permeating our mental health and interpersonal relationships. Our time, attention, relationships, and even identities can become commodities in a world where everything has a price. The ceaseless race to produce and consume can usher in stress, anxiety, and disconnection, stripping away our very humanity and reducing us to the roles of consumers or producers in a market-driven world. Moreover, commodification disproportionately burdens marginalized communities. Gentrification, a form of spatial commodification, often pushes out lower-income residents for wealthier ones, morphing neighborhoods into commodities for investment rather than vibrant spaces for communities. Similarly, 
the commodification of emotional labor in the service industry can put a worker's emotional well-being at the mercy of customer satisfaction. Let's not overlook this system's heavy toll on our planet, recklessly exploiting its resources for relentless production and consumption. The human cost of commodification is a grave concern, a testament to the need for systemic changes. Changes put the dignity, well-being, and intrinsic value of all people and our planet above the sterile calculus of profit and loss. As we journey further into this episode, we'll uncover alternatives to this commodified world that envision a world where everything is for everyone, not just those who can pay. Let's continue posing these challenging questions, and together, let's seek answers that could guide us toward a more equitable and inclusive world. Now let's pivot from our exploration of commodification and steer toward a contrasting vision, a world where everything is for everyone. But what exactly does this principle entail? Everything for everyone stems from a radically alternative understanding of value and ownership. Within this paradigm, goods and services transform from exclusive commodities, accessible only to those who can pay, into shared resources, freely accessible to all. This vision sketches a society where our shared humanity supersedes profit as the governing principle. Historically, this concept found expression in the commons, shared resources like grazing land, forests, or water bodies that every community member could access and benefit from. Rather than being owned, these resources were collectively managed, catering to the needs of all. The spirit of the commons manifests in initiatives like community gardens, open-source software, and free-knowledge resources like Wikipedia and tool libraries. They stand as testaments to spaces where resources are collectively created, maintained, and shared, benefiting everyone rather than exclusively those who own them. The concept of shared resources holds significant relevance in anarchist thought, prioritizing voluntary collaboration and mutual assistance over top-down power hierarchies. Modern anarchists who champion the principle of everything for everyone are vigorously involved in movements that resist the commercialization of vital services. They assert that healthcare, education, and housing should be universally accessible, upholding them as non-negotiable human rights. Does this sound like a distant utopia? It might be closer to reality than you imagine. There are examples from history and the present day of societies striving to realize this vision, peppering our collective landscape with attempts at such an ideal. Indigenous cultures worldwide operate with a commons-based approach to resources, emphasizing communal stewardship over individual ownership. For instance, the Iroquois continue their traditional practice of decision-making with the well-being of future generations in mind, ensuring sustainable resource management. In today's societies, we see everything for everyone practiced in various forms. Open-source software development is a prime example. Communities of programmers collectively develop and maintain software code, making it freely accessible to all. Community gardens are another testament to this principle. Members of neighborhoods come together to cultivate and care for shared green spaces, the produce of which is available to everyone involved. The sharing economy, encompassing initiatives like car sharing services and co-housing movements, exemplifies a shift toward resource sharing and communal access. In these models, resources like transportation and living spaces are pooled for the benefit of all users. Despite being familiar institutions, public libraries are a robust embodiment of the everything-for-everyone principle. They provide the entire community with free access to books, media, and various services. Globally, 
Movements such as the Right to the City and participatory budgeting initiatives strive for more equitable urban planning and resource allocation. These movements and initiatives align with the Everything for Everyone ethos, seeking to make our collective spaces more inclusive. These examples, among many others, highlight that Everything for Everyone is an alive principle practiced across different societies and cultures. It serves as a reminder that an equitable world where resources are shared and accessible to all is not just an ideal, it's a reality in progress. However, navigating towards everything for everyone is complex and challenging. It demands a paradigm shift in our societal structures and economic models, redefining value and a collective commitment to equity and shared responsibility, addressing power imbalances, fostering a culture of cooperation, and devising systems that ensure fair access and distribution are essential steps in this journey. As we delve deeper into the concept of everything for everyone, we engage with more than an idealistic vision. We respond to a call to action. It propels us to envisage and strive for a world prioritizing the well-being of all over the profits of a few. As we proceed with this episode, we will probe ways we can inch towards this vision in our lives and communities. Having navigated through the intricacies of the Everything for Everyone concept, we now pivot to the practicalities of this visionary ideal. We pose an ambitious question. How can we journey towards a world where everything truly is for everyone? Such a shift is a monumental task, yet far from impossible. It invites us to reassess our societal norms, reinvent our economic structures, and most importantly, act with a renewed sense of purpose. At the forefront, transitioning to an everything-for-everyone world requires a metamorphosis in our societal and economic structures. We must transition from models driven by profit and competition to those that promote cooperation and mutual benefit. This requires the complete abolition of market systems in some areas and substantial reform of these systems and, in some circumstances, their replacement with non-market alternatives. Consider the idea of a universal basic income, UBI. This concept, which has garnered increased interest, posits that everyone, irrespective of their employment status, should have access to a basic income level. By ensuring that everyone can cover basic needs, UBI could help decommoditize aspects of life such as food, shelter, and health care, making these essentials accessible to all. This shift also necessitates a profound cultural adjustment. Our societies often champion individual success and consumption. However, in an everything-for-everyone world, the emphasis must shift towards cooperation and communal success. Sharing, rather than owning, should emerge as a fundamental principle that guides our interactions and decisions. Beyond large-scale societal and economic changes, the journey towards everything-for-everyone also hinges on individual choices and behaviors. Each one of us can start questioning the pervasive commodification in our lives, whether through the products we buy, the causes we support, or how we use our time, we can actively engage with the principles of everything for everyone. However, as we immerse ourselves in this process, we must remember that these individual actions are not the end-all be-all. Although personal choices play a significant role, they should not be seen as the complete solution to achieving everything for everyone. Achieving this vision requires more than individual actions. It requires systemic changes in our societies and institutions. Therefore, while we do individual acts and promote the causes we believe in, 
We should also strive to affect change at a higher level by advocating for policies and systems that align with our principles. Remember, our collective actions can make a significant difference, and the power to affect change is multiplied when we work together. Transitioning to a world of everything for everyone is a journey, not an instant transformation. It demands perseverance, courage, and collective action. We all have a crucial role, and every step carries weight in this collective endeavor. By collectively challenging the status quo, we can construct a world where everything for everyone transcends idealism to become a lived reality. In the spirit of further expanding on this radical concept, let's explore real-life examples of where this ethos is being implemented and examine the lessons we can learn from them. This radical idea, far from abstract, is being enacted in real-life movements globally. It presents a significant shift from profit-driven economics to a paradigm that prioritizes collective well-being, embodying mutual aid and liberation principles. Examples of the everything-for-everyone ethos are varied, challenging traditional notions of ownership and exchange. One manifestation is seen in community gardens and urban farms, such as those transforming vacant lots in Detroit. These community initiatives provide fresh, organic produce for local residents, offer educational opportunities, and act as hubs for shared activities. Likewise, the free store movement in cities like Pittsburgh and Portland operates on a premise of equitable exchange. Take what you need, give what you can. This initiative demonstrates the practicality of shared resources, showing us that resources can be allocated equitably without being commodified. Digital spaces also host the everything for everyone ethos. This allows anyone to access and contribute to a vast store of knowledge freely. Simultaneously, the power of mutual aid and liberation are strongly observed in various global instances. In Santiago, Chile, amid political unrest and economic hardship, communities are banding together, operating communal kitchens known as Olas Comunes. This mutual aid initiative embodies everything for everyone, as people collectively manage resources to ensure everyone's needs are met. In Nigeria, the Enzars movement, spurred by the country's youth and catalyzed by digital technology, is battling against systemic injustices and police brutality. The movement was started on Twitter before moving to the streets, led by the Soro Soke generation. Soro Soke is a Yoruba phrase translating to speak louder, encouraging individuals to raise their voices in protest. The Enzars protest started in October 2020 and trended globally, receiving a staggering 48 million mentions from 5 million unique authors on Twitter within nine days. The protest, which received support from international celebrities, brought the world's attention to the injustice faced by Nigeria's youth at the hands of the special anti-robbery squad, SARS. Nigerians' resilience didn't waver even with the announcement of SARS's disbandment. The hashtag shifted from hashtag NSARS to hashtag SARS must end, and with the formation of a new unit, Special Weapons and Tactics Team, SWAT, to replace SARS, the protest hashtag quickly changed to hashtag NSWAT. The internet played a crucial role in sustaining the protests. The movement stayed alive through online mobilization, communication, real-time updates, and fundraising. Even when the Central Bank of Nigeria, CBN, ordered a freeze on about 20 accounts linked to protest fundraising, the Feminist Coalition, a group at the forefront of the protest fundraising, utilized cryptocurrency to continue collecting donations. A total of approximately 87.4 million naira was raised, which was dispersed for mental health support, security on protest grounds, 
medical emergency response, and relief for victims of SARS brutality and families of extrajudicial killings. The NZARS movement is a prime example of the everything-for-everyone ethos in action. The fight is not just against oppressive power structures, but also for a world where collective well-being supersedes individual profit. This collective control of resources and knowledge embodies the principles of mutual aid and liberation, essential elements of the everything-for-everyone ethos. Through their actions, they contribute to the radical reshaping of societal norms and move us closer to realizing the vision of everything for everyone. What these movements have in common is a vision of societal structures that prioritize people's needs over profits. They represent steps towards a world of economic equality and social and intellectual liberation. This global ethos of everything for everyone is more than just a dream. It's a practical reality being realized by everyday people, challenging norms and reshaping our understanding of resource distribution and community. These snapshots from across the world highlight the transformative work happening. Each act of resistance, each instance of mutual aid, and each step towards liberation brings us closer to the vision of everything for everyone. As we continue to explore these movements and ethos, we invite you to consider how you too can contribute to this radical reshaping of our world. As we draw this segment to a close, let's take a moment to reflect on the journey we've embarked on. We started with a simple yet radical question. Why can't everything be free? We navigated through the complexities of commodification, its profound influence on our world, societies, and individual lives, and the disparities it fosters. Yet, we dared to envision an alternative, a world embracing the everything-for-everyone principle, where goods, services, and resources are shared freely and equitably. This vision disrupts our conventional understanding of value, ownership, and profit, urging us to imagine a society where our shared humanity, rather than individual economic gain, is the driving force. Throughout our exploration, we uncovered instances of this vision in action, from historical commons to contemporary movements advocating for universal access to essential services. We discovered that the spirit of everything for everyone thrives in cooperative initiatives, mutual aid networks, open source platforms, and free knowledge resources. Diving into the practicalities, we discuss the tangible steps to make this vision a reality. The path to everything for everyone is neither straightforward nor easy. It compels us to challenge deep-seated societal structures, economic models, and cultural norms. It beckons us to scrutinize our individual actions and choices, promoting sharing and cooperation over individualism and consumption. This journey, while daunting, holds incredible potential. It invites us to create an equitable, sustainable world that resonates with our shared humanity. It encourages us to dream of a better world and take concrete steps toward shaping it. As we transition to the next segment, we invite you, our esteemed listeners, to carry these ideas forward, question, challenge, imagine, and act. Because in a world aspiring for everything for everyone, each of us has a crucial role. Let's continue this exploration together persisting in our questioning, resisting, and envisioning a world where everything is for everyone. Radical education, yeah, yeah, a better future, what we really need, not rooted in capitalism or supremacy. This updates about a Radical Guide segment brings us to the Bronx, New York. With its rich history and vibrant culture, the Bronx is not only one of the most diverse boroughs of New York City, but it's also the birthplace of Murray Bookchin, a transformative figure in the development of social ecology 
and libertarian municipality. Born to Russian immigrant parents in 1921, Bookchin spent his formative years experiencing firsthand the realities of working-class life in the Bronx. Living through the Great Depression, he saw the effects of extreme poverty, social inequality, and class struggle. These early experiences substantially shaped Bookchin's perspective and sparked his lifelong commitment to social change. His theory of social ecology, a profound contribution to environmental philosophy, proposed that the domination of nature by human beings stems from the domination of humans by humans. To address ecological crises, we need to address social crises. They are two sides of the same coin. This philosophy represented a fundamental shift from traditional environmental thinking, presenting a holistic, interrelational view of social and ecological issues. Bookchin also developed the concept of libertarian municipalism, a political system that proposed replacing the centralized state with a network of directly democratic citizens' assemblies in individual cities and towns. This notion was rooted in his belief in direct democracy and his faith in the revolutionary potential of urban life. The vibrant community life inspired the vision he witnessed growing up in the Bronx, where neighborhood cohesion was strong despite hardship. Bookchin's philosophies continue to inspire and guide individuals and movements worldwide today. His belief in the transformative power of local communities and his vision for a more equitable ecological society have left an indelible mark on anarchist thought and practice. His beginnings in the Bronx served as a potent reminder of the radical potential in our everyday surroundings and experiences. To further explore the revolutionary ideologies of Murray Bookchin and understand the influences and implications of his work, head over to a radical guide. Remember, your engagement contributes significantly to the enrichment of this platform. If you want to add a location, visit radicalguide.com and hit the add listing button in the top right-hand corner. No location to share? No worries. Your support is still crucial to a radical guide. Navigate to the support ARG button in the top menu and explore ways you can help enhance our collective resources. Remember, a radical guide thrives on the active participation of individuals like you. Let's go. As we end this episode, let's reflect on the powerful discussions we've had today. We began with the critical topic of supporting political prisoners, recognizing the vital work done by organizations like the Anarchist Black Cross Federation. The letters we write, the support we extend, and the solidarity we demonstrate are all part of a collective effort to challenge oppressive structures and uplift those who have been silenced. Our journey led us to explore the radical concept of why isn't everything free or everything for everyone. This vision transcends the realms of wishful thinking, opening us up to the potential of a world where resources are shared equitably without commodification. This powerful ideology has already taken root in various corners of our world, challenging conventional norms and redefining how we perceive community, ownership, and exchange. Lastly, we ventured into the Bronx, New York, tracing the footsteps of Murray Bookchin, a remarkable figure whose ideas continue to resonate within social ecology and libertarian municipalism. His birthplace is a potent reminder of the origins of these transformative movements and their ongoing significance in our struggle for a more just, equitable world. A common thread emerges in each of these discussions, a call for radical change, a challenge to the status quo, and a recognition that another world is not only possible but necessary. 
The work of resistance is ongoing, and every step we take, every conversation we engage in, and every act of solidarity we perform brings us closer to realizing these revolutionary visions. As we close this episode, remember that we are all part of this collective endeavor. Whether we're writing to political prisoners, engaging with the idea of everything for everyone, or tracing the origins of radical movements, each of us has a role in reshaping our world. Let's continue to question, resist, dream, and most importantly, act. Thank you for being part of this journey. Until next time, keep the spirit of resistance alive. Yeah, talking freedom and liberation. Worldwide, not just only for the nation. A radical guide, it's time to make changes. Bringing interviews and radical education. Yeah, yeah, a better future, what we really need. Not rooted in capitalism or supremacy. Yeah, yeah, trust you, don't want to miss it. We bring the truth right to you. The past, present, and future, let's go. A radical guide, that's what this is. Highlighting the diverse world of resistance. Let's go.